0: Georgia, Georgia. Hey, it's the Matt McNeil Show for your Tuesday. Matt Patrick here. Nice to have you back, Patrick. We've got a lot to get to today uh, because of what broke last night in Georgia. And the first person I'm bringing on right away is going to help us break down the legal side of this. Jack Rice is our legal expert and he's kind enough to join us today to talk about uh, the, the the charges in Georgia against Donald Trump and a whole slew of other people. Hey, Jack, thanks for the time. I appreciate it.
1: It's great to be with you.
0: Well, okay, first of all, your thoughts as this came down last night, this was a, you know, it was expected, but it was, it, I mean, the first thing I heard a lot of legal experts say was, this is very thorough. <laughs> you know,
1: this one's interesting to me because, I've been spending a lot of time in Atlanta over the last few years doing a lot of work for court TV. And so I have a lot of friends of mine who practice criminal law in Atlanta, in Georgia. And so I've been watching and knowing that this is coming. There's a lot of, and a lot of preparation in Atlanta, this coming out of this particular county. So this was really a big deal and people knew it was coming. This one is different than the other three sets of indictments against the former president. So it's going to be wild to watch.
0: Let's start with, and if, if you don't mind, a little class for most of us, you know, laymen here, we don't understand this. This is falling under RICO charges here. Can you explain? Most of us probably remember Rico from the Batman movie, uh, or the name of the guy from Battleship Troopers, but uh, or Starship Troopers. But uh, no, Rico. It's it's a very specific type of a lawsuit a, a charges against a, a group of individuals. Correct.
1: Right. Okay. So let's go really, really, really big picture. And then we'll narrow it down. In the United States, there's really two different sets of of courts. There is the federal courts, and then there are the state courts. And so they actually run parallel to one another. And sometimes you'll find that cases can be charged in one court or the other court. Now, occasionally, they can actually be charged in both. And so What you'll find is, think um, Derek Chauvin in the George Floyd case, right? So remember how Derek Chauvin was actually charged in state court here in Minnesota first, and then he got charged in federal court, and that actually happened in St. Paul. Remember that? Yes. Okay, so that's an example of what can happen in state court and federal court. And those all are going on sort of all at the same time. Now, let's talk about what RICO is. RICO was established back in 1970, and what it actually stands for is the Racketeer Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act. RICO was designed to go after mobsters. And that was how it was originally established. And typically what it was for were things like money laundering, bribery, drug trafficking, and that sort of thing. But this is really about how it was designed. It was designed to basically say, I want to go after the head of the mob. But the problem is, is the head of the mob isn't doing all these things. He's got a bunch of guys underneath him doing these terrible things. And what we want to be able to do is collectively look at the terrible things that they are doing and then tie them and wrap them around the neck of the mob dom. So that's the idea of what RICO was designed to do. Now, as we were talking about just a minute ago about the federal versus state, now let's narrow down what RICO is in Georgia, and that's important in this case. So what happened in 1980, Georgia decided to have its own RICO law. So in other words, this applies to state laws inside of Georgia, and they're using their own form of RICO. And it's very similar in some ways, but this is the part that was important to me because I started talking to friends of mine who practice and have been practicing for decades inside of Georgia. The difference is that think of the RICO law federally, which, by the way, is extraordinarily broad and extraordinarily aggressive. The Georgia law is like that law on steroids. So what they actually did was they designed it with that purpose in mind. So what they do is it's broader than even the federal law. So now what you can do with it is it essentially expands what it is that the federal law can do by saying, It applies to more than just certain acts. It actually applies to a whole set of specific uh, crimes. A bunch of those are in this indictment against Trump. But more importantly, what it really does is it also includes attempts. So in other words, Mm -hmm. the idea of what you're trying to do, not just what you did, and then it does something else. The federal law requires something called continuity, meaning two different acts or more in concert, that were designed to create a particular outcome. And it has to be done in a really short period of time. Now, the Georgia-RICO law is actually different than that. What it says is two separate acts. And if those two separate acts can be used to get that ultimate outcome, not that they are or tied together or there's a timeline, it's not necessary. That is enough for Georgia-RICO. This indictment against Donald Trump and the rest, there are 19 co-defendants in this case, and there's 41 counts. They are already saying they have 161 incidences that tie these two pieces together for Georgia Rico. Now, why that matters? It's the most serious charge. Mm -hmm. It comes with anywhere between 5 and 20 years to serve. This is gigantic. This is a bomb.
0: There's there's a, a point I want to get to in here in a second, but I'm I'm, I'm setting this question up for you because you, you, okay, you just pointed out the difference between the Georgia Rico and Federal Rico. I also want to point out the fact that the reason why this case exists in Georgia is because it starts in Georgia from their perspective I and mean, with the with the fake electors with the people allowing Trump's people to break in. And look at the voting machines in the certain counties, and take that information. The fact that you can track back the orders coming from the Trump def- legal team—it it really does kind of blossom from that. It, it, it's kind of a, a a very good case of how you can start small and you know see the full tree from uh you know and how it it blossoms from there and how it grows from there because they just did start looking at this from the Georgia side, but ended up finding a lot more there.
1: Oh, you're absolutely right, Matt. And again, there's another piece of this too, and think of this from the perspective of a jury. There are sometimes when you're thinking about crimes outside of RICO and you talk somebody did, what is possible is the ability to isolate those from one another and say, big deal, big deal, big deal. And so in other words, what may end up happening is a jury could look at these things in isolation and say, what's the problem? The idea that you called the governor twice. The idea that you called multiple times to Raffensperger, the Secretary of State, both in Georgia, uh, and big deal. They in themselves. The problem is, it's sort of like the you know the analogy of of an elephant, where you say, oh, I look at one little piece of an elephant, oh, that's a snake. I look at one little piece, oh, that the end of a tail. Oh, that's a piece of hair. What is that? That it's hard to see the elephant. Well, the beauty of Rico from a prosecution standpoint is you get to bring in. Enormous amounts of evidence to create a full picture and then wrap it together to say, understand the extent of this conspiracy. Hence, we're going to use at least 161 overt acts by these people to show the crimes that were committed. Mm -hmm. But I should add, this is one interesting thing because I've been watching the coverage too. This is actually what is frequently and almost always missed by everybody I'm seeing nationally, is that there are 30 unindicted co-conspirators. These are the people who could have been charged, but they're essentially giving immunity. Or they cooperated and they decided for whatever reason not to charge them. But the point is, is all of these people are lined up. And all you need are two to get a RICO charge mm-hmm. 5 to 20 years. That is the bomb that I've been discussing.
0: The Jack Rice, of course, joining us. Jack Rice Law, Jack Rice Defense as well. That's where you're going to find his law firm at jackricelaw.com and, of course, best defense attorney in Minneapolis, St. Paul, hands down. Jack, the um, have you gotten a call from Trump at this point? He's burned through basically every lawyer in the country at this point.
1: Dude, let me tell you what. The problem is right now is it's not just Trump himself. John Eastman Sydney Powell, Kenneth Cheeseborough, Jenna Ellis, and a whole bunch of other people have been charged in these. Mm-hmm. So guess what? I don't want to be on the next docket with the former president. I'm real good. I'll just stay right <laughs> here in St. Paul and do the gig that I'm doing.
0: The, the point I was bringing things for offering. Maybe one of those lesser Georgia people. Uh, no, the, the, the thing, the, the point I was I wanted to eventually get to here is that the, one of the first things I saw was analysis saying that Trump's going to try to take this to federal court because he's going to try to argue that this had to do with a federal case, and and that's just that. What you've just explained to me is this. The RICO laws in Georgia are different, so you really can't just shift this to federal court because he's being charged under Georgia law, as well as also Georgia seems to be able to – going to be able to make the argument is that regardless of whether or not this was a federal case, this had to do with our state electors and, and counties being violated in that. And the fact that Trump was calling you know people and asking for votes, that ties in, but the real basis here of the crime is what happened locally – what is your thoughts? Do you think that there's a chance that and well, I guess there's always a chance, but how likely is it? Do you think that the, the case Trump will be able to convince the case to get taken out of Georgia and put into federal court?
1: Oh, I think they're going to lose completely on that. Okay. I, I truly do. I mean, there's your real difference is that what what the prosecutor can do is really focus in on what crimes were committed in Georgia applying georgia law yeah because remember this is just like what we talked about with derek chauvin the idea is it double jeopardy that you can charge somebody in state court and federal court no it's not because you're actually charging them under different sets of charges so you could even charge them with essentially essentially the same thing but you're packaging it differently that is exactly exactly what they did to Derek Chauvin. Mm-hmm. So he may want to do something like this. I mean, remember, the former president is now facing 91 God. different charges in four different indictments. We got New York City, we got Florida, we got DC, and now we have these state charges out of Georgia. And by the way, again, if I had to be afraid of any of them, I might be the most afraid of the Georgia ones because those are the ones that are in some ways I don't want to say the easiest to prove, but they they are actually going straight at the conspiracy and all of these people who committed them. And all you have to do is wrap them around the neck of this guy and say, Trump didn't have to do anything himself, but he's been so public in terms of his support of it that that can make him the co-conspirator that takes him down, even if he didn't himself commit any of the overt, ultimate acts.
0: Well, and Georgia also presents an interesting problem for Trump, where his whole goal right now is to win the presidency in 2024, so he can pardon himself for these other cases. He can't; uh, the federal laws on pardoning do not apply to state charges. And so, if this stays in the state of Georgia. This one's going to stick, whether he wants to or not. And that's actually what I think he's most scared of.
1: Well, who hoo hoo! <laughs>
0: All right, good enough. (laughs) We'll go with that. I got you, my brother. That's
1: that's my deep philosophical uh, analysis right there.
0: It's spot on, too. Uh, Okay, let's look at the crew of co-conspirators here. Uh, I got to believe, I mean, the fact that these guys, I mean, I said this before. January 6th was a coup attempt done by the stupidest people on the freaking planet. And proof of that is the fact they left a paper trail or a digital trail, however you want to call it, fairly clearly between the top and the bottom of this whole thing. It is, it, I'm glad to see this in Georgia because in my mind, this is what we should see in Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Arizona, all these states where there were the fake electors, them taking this seriously, that someone tried to overthrow the government of the United States and they tried to do it with our state how you know on RICO cases you know the obviously the you know you get people to flip you get some right now people are starting to sweat and people someone's going to flip here if you get enough people to flip it becomes a slam dunk on on the rest of the way up correct
1: well that's exactly the reason that's why it always works because what you can do is you you bring that this conspiracy charge and then you start from the bottom up but you don't really have to in this particular case they got 30 people lined up they got 30, and remember, they only need two. And here's the other aspect of this. Is the Fulton County District Attorney, the DA down there, Fannie Willis, she's actually known. Again, I spent a ton of time in Atlanta in the last couple of years. I'm going to be down there in the next two weeks. I was just there about six weeks ago, four weeks, or whatever it was. And what we had is somebody who, in many ways, she really came into office using this. She's really good at it, too. In fact, there was one, uh, uh, one one of the convictions that she's dealt with, that she dealt with a ton on these cases, uh, that was really sort of one of the things that brought her in was something called Young Thug. And Young Thug was, was, was a rapper, but it has to do with an indictment with two dozen alleged gang members collectively creating this conspiracy. But that wasn't the only one. There were a bunch of other ones that she's done. So she's done this over and over and over again, where you take... The collective efforts of multiple people and you show what each of them have done and then you wrap them around each other like three or four or five braids, uh, threads into a braid to show what the conspiracy is. And that's exactly what she was so incredibly successful at. So she's trained at it. She's good at it. She knows this law like probably nobody. And she can come in and do that. That is what a good prosecutor can do. The the president, the former president can talk all day long about how uh, seriously uh, he doesn't worry about this, doesn't care about this. He's calling a racist, all sorts of crazy things. And yet at the same time, he should be afraid of this one because this one applies to a set of laws that, frankly, I don't care who he brings in. And there are some incredibly fine criminal defense attorneys in Georgia. You're going to have to have somebody who is extraordinarily good for this, because when you don't have the evidence, um, you don't have the evidence.
0: Well, and in the documents case, it's interesting because the the, the, the two guys in the documents case, Trump is keeping them right next to him basically the entire time that he's trying to keep control. He's not going to be able to do this. And I've always said if I'm Trump. And I want to try to get out of this. The two that I can throw under the bus, well, maybe three, are Giuliani, Eastman, and um and Powell, because those three show up in basically a lot of this stuff that's against him. And all of a sudden, one day he can try he can try to play the stupid dupe, and that these are the people that were directing things about it. And he might be able to get away with that because there is enough evidence, especially with Giuliani, of him trying to you know you know pull the strings behind the scenes. You know, do you think that Trump himself might actually, realizing that there's no way out for him, basically say, I'm going to try to throw other people under the bus? No, no,
1: no. No, I mean, I think he'll throw people under the bus. I mean, you know, history speaks for itself. You can take a look at basically anybody he's ever worked with, contemplate he's going to hire the best of the best when he was president. And you can see what it was that he did to his secretary of state, multiple uh, the secretaries of defense, anybody in any position of leadership, uh, secret- uh, everybody, frankly, everybody. And you can go back in his history. So he's more than willing to burn anybody and everybody to the ground. But the problem that he faces in this particular case is the only relevance that he has is his ability to run and his ability to potentially win. And so we have a very old man who doesn't really risk the realities of a prison sentence because I'm suspecting that he'll be dead before there's any resolution of the appeal process, even if he were to lose. But it would impact his ability to serve as president. And so when we think about that, I think his fear is that it's, it's the fear that he will be irrelevant. And the infamy that gets wrapped around that. And so I don't think it's going to help to say it was everybody else and not me, because I don't think you're going to see the D.A. in Atlanta, in Fulton County, let him walk. I don't (laughs) think you're going to see Jack Smith turn around and say, we're going to let the president walk because they want these convictions, and that's the problem that the president has. He was always able to turn around and walk away from the Taj Mahal and all the other bankruptcies he's had because the, the laws allowed him to do that. And he was relatively stock clean and he could just wipe his hands off and move on again. This doesn't allow him to do that. He becomes nothing but the irrelevancy that so many are seeking to make him
0: into. One last quick thing here. And you brought up uh, the, the case in D.C. He's Trump just can't shut up. At this point, he is, I think, in that case specifically, and I could see it in any of these cases, he's in jeopardy of basically finding himself in contempt of court. You know, it, you know, it, this is we're, once again, we're down in a unique situation. We've never been in this case. You know, do you think a judge would actually get to the point of you're endangering people? We're going to find you possibly confine you. I mean, is that even a possibility?
1: You know, I never thought you know, I would see that except for he just did it again to the judge. Yeah, not, not for the first time. in in Washington, D.C., and this is a federal judge. You gotta understand, federal judges don't take crap. They really don't, and it's just the truth. And so that changes their willingness to do what they're willing to do. And I think what we're gonna find is that if, if, if I think about what the president's doing, the former president is doing, and I think about this as a former prosecutor, I think about this as a criminal defense attorney for decades, is that there are times when I've been in trial and other places where one of the best things I can do to somebody who won't shut up that actually helps me is all I do is I say, What else? <laughs> during <laughs> during cross examination, during direct examination, whether it's just, or when I'm doing crossing somebody who's my adversary and they're saying crazy, stupid things, my response is, What else you got? Tell me more. No, no, no. I want to hear everything else you have because he is more than willing to burn the world to the ground in order to think he can walk his way out of this. Oh, yeah. Well, the problem is, is I can't count the number of times I've had circumstances where people think they can talk their way out of these kinds of things. These are very very difficult to walk your way out of this by talking fast and you know huckstering your way through it because this is going to be a tough one for the former president
0: well you're spot on i mean he'll burn this country to the ground to try to get out of this and and that 's just the reality of it, but we get to at least watch uh, the the disaster happen i and and I'm enjoying the fact that this guy's finally starting to get held accountable jack Law dot com Law dot com Jack Rice is the best defense attorney in Minneapolis St Paul if you need a defense attorney. Call Jack, sit down, explain your case. He'll give you honest advice. He is absolutely the best. I stand by him 1,000%. JackRicelaw.com for Jack Rice Defense. Jack, as always, we look forward to seeing you back on court TV before too long. And thank you a much. I appreciate the time. All the best. Thank you. Take care, Jack Rice. Um, Great. I'll tell you what, let's take a quick break. Come on back. We'll wrap up a little bit of what he has said here. Uh, And yeah, just spot on analysis of why Georgia is a big problem. It is indeed on Trump's mind. We'll take a break. Come back. It's the Matt McNeil Show on AM 950.